Hey there, there, friends and farmers. farmers. I'm Taylor. And I'm Marshall. And this is the Mind Your Melon podcast. It's always a season for growing here at Mind Your Melon. And we're excited to be sharing thoughts, stories, and resources to inspire healthier minds with proactive choices and lifestyles. We'll be covering a lot of topics related to life and wellness, such as fitness, food, and even finances. Some big topics for sure. But don't worry, because we'll be lightening them up with some fun and humor along the way. Thanks for listening. Now, mind your melon. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Your Melon podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Adrian Land, a multi-generational farmer and rancher in Brantford, Florida. Stay tuned to hear us talk faith, family, and farming as Adrian helps remind you to mind your melon. We're excited to bring you this episode in partnership with Fowler Plant Company of Moultrie, Georgia. At Mind Your Melon, we hope to plant seeds to help inspire and grow healthy lifestyles in any season of your life. Similarly, Fowler Plant Company is working to deliver the best quality seeds and transplants to help provide farmers with a healthy start to their crop. Reach out to Fowler Plant Company of Georgia as you're making plans for your next growing season. As a special thank you to our listeners and to celebrate our Faith, Family, and Farming mini-series, we are offering a discount on our children's book, Melon Mike and His Not-So-Fun Feelings. The code PODCAST15, that's PODCAST15, saves you 15% off from now until January 1st, 2024. You can find the Melon Mike book on our website at mindyourmelon.org or check the link in our show notes. Adrian Land. Thank you for being on the podcast today. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm excited to be here. I uh, hadn't been in Hatchbend in a while. Yeah. You know, it's kind of almost the middle of nowhere. But um, I think that's all relative. I was um, visiting with a friend of mine. He says, I've absolutely got to the middle of nowhere out here in the middle of Sears Road, south of LaBelle. And, and when you go out there, there's nothing out there. But everything's relevant. It's kind of like us here. You know, we drive 40 minutes to get milk almost. You know, our grocery store is in Lake City, which is a long ways away. But here, Hatch Bend's a busy place. There you go. Well, before we really get started, you want to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, all of the fun stuff. Well, so my, um, I, I am the, se- I'm the sixth, and my son is the seventh generational farmer on this homestead so we we've been here in the swanee river valley for you know 100 years plus and um so this is our home this is where we are we're used to the river we're used to the water we're used to the floods um but it's good land it's good to farm on and it's good cattle land and, and that's what we primarily do. I mean, we are in the timber business. Um, and of course we are a watermelon shipper. My, my father and the mother in the fifties opened, uh, Raymond J. Land watermelon sales and, um, still in business today. And they, um, my, my folks, my parents are still alive, very active with, with me and my brother. And, um, so along the way, um, me and my brother, he, he was farming in Immokalee. I was working for, not at the time, but later, my wife's father. And um, 
and going to school. And anyway, so he decided to retire. And with the help from my dad, me and my wife um, embarked in what would later become um, Land Ag. And so Land Ag, since uh, 92, it has been in the watermelon business. And um, it's been pretty, it's been, a, it's been a lot of hard work, but, um, you know, that's who we are. We grow watermelons. And um, along the way, yeah, I did. Um, you had told me this was all about faith and Christmas and families. And when I um, was going to school, I did go to seminary. I, I did graduate from Andersonville Seminary. I worked about a decade for um, the International Mission Board. I, I, I think we, I think me and my wife's been in about ten to twelve different countries. Really, I didn't realize it was that many. Oh yeah, we've been. That's impressive. We've been in several different countries, um, from teaching vacation Bible school to getting personally baptized in the Jordan River. We've, you know, we've done it. We we still like. To go and see and help where we can, um, we've been involved in orphanages where we we've you know helped children that in other countries that you know that don't even have water really to to just financially the best we can. Um, we've actually helped one orphanage kind of learn how to farm a little bit to help them be more self um, efficient, but. Um, so we, we enjoy that kind of work, you know, but we enjoy what we do here too. So, um, but, but that's kind of who we are. That is interesting. Uh, so you talk about farming. You said you're sixth generation. I am. Okay. Um, and do you have any, uh, any other future generations down the line? Well, you know, my son, who, who, who is definitely in, engaged, um, Actually, he he is very much engaged in, and then my brother's youngest son, he he's actually you know helping us as well. So uh, I think Land Ag and Raymond Land Watermelon Sales is pretty pretty well. You know, I think we got a hopefully another hundred years in front of us. What does that mean to you, or or how does that make you feel to think about being the sixth generation in your farm family? And bringing on the next generation and hopefully keeping that around for another hundred years. Well, when you, you know, to me, my, um, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, you know, my dad, he, he was, you know, his father died at 13 years old. My dad was 13. And then his grandfather died when my, when my dad was, you know, almost 14. So, wow. um, my my father had seven sisters, and um, I, I, my grandmother, which I was very close to, you know, she she grew tobacco. They grew some watermelons, um, cattle, hogs, whatever they could do to survive. And, and so to watch my father go from, you know, and hear people talk about, well, I remember they didn't have anything, just a bunch of, you know, some land and you know, old car, pickup truck, an old raggedy John Deere tractor, to to my dad's uh, determination um, to make his company 
what we see today. And um, so I think a lot of that uh, determination, a lot of um, them prayers. Um, my grandmother was a was a person that, um, well, like I said, her husband died, and she, her her oldest girl was seventeen, and her youngest girl was three months old. Wow, big age difference. Uh, yeah, so she had you know these eight children scattered over, you know, so they really struggled. But one thing my grandmother stuck to was God, Jesus. And um, through prayer, through, you know, the church, which is in the community, helping her and, and seeing the leadership of putting, truly putting God first, I think will pass to many generations as much as the ethic of determination and, and, and care for a family. Uh, you know, so my, you know, my grandmother, I think, was probably the strongest as far as putting that into her family. I can remember when I'd stay with her, she would kneel by my bed, and, you know, and pray for me. So them, <clears throat> you got me on that one. But that that kind of faith, that kind of belief, that kind of just stuck with us. So you talked a little bit about growing up. Tell me a little bit about Adrian, little Adrian, growing up and what it was like around the farm and how that shaped you into making the decision to go into seminary school and in the path that you're on now. Take me on that journey. <laughs> well, like I was telling you earlier, um, I, I, they, they was there was two loves, I guess, in high school for me or two things I cared a lot about. And I get really three, but two, I was a pretty good 1A athlete. And I said that very candidly. <laughs> 1A, 13 people on my senior football team. I was pretty good. I love football. I love the sport. I love sports, basketball. I love my teammates. I love the friendship. Um, I never, I never would have thought yeah. that you were an athlete. I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you learn something new every well, day. Well, I mean, and I take that very candidly. So uh, <laughs> we wasn't a big school, and um, everybody played. Nobody sat the bench. Everybody played every down. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody played every down. So so yeah, was I compared to the boys that play today? No, but then I was pretty good, I guess. What was your and, position? So I was defensive in and I was offensive tackle. Okay. And, um, but I could, we, we played anything we needed to. Wherever you were needed. <laughs> Wherever we needed. And uh, You had a tailback down. That was, that was <laughs> If you need to play fullback, I've done that a little bit. Wasn't very good at it, but I did it. And um, but, but I guess defensive end was, I was the best at. Okay. And um, I, 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 that's what little bit of awards I got for for that was from that position. Did but, you get like a letterman's jacket? Oh yeah, I got letterman's jacket. I got most improved player. I got my name in the paper half a dozen times. Golly. Yeah, but um, but I, my, you know, I don't know how many school teachers listen to to this, but they was a they was a um, my ag teacher 
uh, Willieville. And, and he was a great ag teacher. He taught us to weld and he taught us to mechanic and he taught us the things that they, they teach us. But he, he, he was my friend and he was a motivator. And so he, he pushed me and, and, you know, I, I won state agribusinessman and, you know, and I won, like I was telling you, um, a public speaking runner up in the state. And then. Y'all, he wrote a speech on citrus screen. No, I didn't one. write it. I was extent drawled it. Okay. But, uh, so you drew it and this is in what year? That would have been 87. And we still got citrus screen. We still got your citrus screen in the day. And, and so I won, you know, fruit and vegetable production for the state and I can't beef production. So we, you know, we are, you're here, we call watermelons, but big part of what we do is cattle. Oh yeah. So, I've seen the sign. I see yeah. the cattle out there. Yeah. And then y'all also got, uh, palmetto berries. Yeah. So, um, y'all are very diversified, which I think you have to be nowadays. Y yeah. When, when me and shortly after me and my wife got married, um, there was an industry here in North Florida that was, had taken off, but it was kind of premature taking off. You know, it was kind of, oh, wow, this, and my, my father was smart enough to, to see it. And, and we needed, you know, we needed to make a living. And, um, we were growing a hundred acres of watermelons, but, they were all open ground type, you know. So my father encouraged me to go in the pine straw business. So in 80 or 98, um, me and Melissa went in the pine straw business, which through the next 20 years, it bloomed. It became a huge industry here in North Florida. So we, 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 we got in the pine straw business and, um, and, you know, when we first got in it, there was a hundred different companies in it, you know, or, or but in the, in the nineties, there was a hundred different companies and just a lot of people in it. Today, it's kind of like farming. You know, when, when the nineties and the two thousands, we, we seen farms go from 40 and 60 and 80 acre watermelon fields to, to two and three and, 400 acres. We, we've seen the smaller farmers quit doing it. Cost, packing right. houses, whatever. Pine straw business, same way. Uh, from 80 to 100 different companies, family companies that did it, now there's five or six. Here know, in Florida? Period. Really? Yeah. And the ones that's in it's big. So, and it's kind of like the same thing you've seen in the watermelon deal. You know, now, now everybody's in it. Uh, every so you, you have don't a good have year near, and suddenly everybody's in. Well, well, this year's this <laughs> this year's different. So let's let's leave this year out of it. Um, I, I don't know exactly what this year is going to fold, but we we still seen that that you know that the farmers was getting bigger and getting every year you heard this farmer quit and that farmer quit. That's what was going on here. South Florida the same way. And they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. This year, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, Taylor. Buckle uh, up. Buckle up. There's going to be a lot of watermelons in North Florida, I'll tell you that. So South Georgia the same way. Real quick, before we get back to like how you got to seminary and everything, 
with the pine straw deal and the berries. Oh, you, know, you did ask me about sim. How? Why did I go to seminary? But real quick, I want to know this just for my own knowledge. So, with GP closing their plant recently mm -hmm. here in Florida, how is that going to impact your business? Is it going to impact it at all? So it will not hurt the berry business. Probably any. If anything, it might make it stronger. Okay. Um, because it, it is a uh, supplemental income for the timber industry, so it probably make that stronger. As far as the economical impact of GP closing in Perry, 20 miles from here, and from a family that's got a lot of timber, and from friends that's got a lot of timber. A lot of people impacted, right? So we went from the highest cost per ton in history to the lowest in the last 50 years. And we did it in three months. So where where. There was some talk, $38, $39 a ton, which I won't go into detail on that, which is really good prices, huge prices. It's like a 50-cent watermelon. <laughs> okay. That's what dreams are made of. That's what dreams are made of, absolutely. Farmers was getting, you know, seven, $8,000 an acre for their timber. To now, I heard yesterday, $3. Ooh. So now you're talking about a five cent watermelon, you know. So is it? You're going backwards on the deal at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, there's nowhere to go with the timber. They haul it to Georgia, but freight eats it up. Yeah. So, so I mean, number one is the five. I mean, I, I hope some <laughs> probably not going to do you know much good. Me and you talking about it, but the more people talk about it, the better. Um, the five hundred mamas and daddies that don't have jobs because GP shut down it is bad enough. Right. The 10,000 landowners that cut their timber that go to GP, uh, that's bad too. So it's all bad. Um, it's not, that's that's definitely, will, will North Florida readjust? Sure. You know, I, I already see some of the landowners that, which this is good for a watermelon farmer, yeah, so, you have more land to rotate on now, exactly. right? Exactly. And so, they can make money off the lease. Yeah, they can make money off the lease. So we, we're already seeing some of the timber getting cut, not being replanted. Um, but we could see the environmentalist or whatever get involved and want the timber planted back. So however, it's given us some more land because timber, you know, is about 80% of our landscape. Right. So, um, but anyway. But you asked me about seminary. Why'd I go to seminary? Well, so we were talking about Little Adrian, his life growing up, and kind of what led you down that path. So you talked about your your two loves, possibly three. You talked about football. Then you started talking about ag. Yeah. I'm assuming you were going to say like FFA, agriculture. Yeah. yeah. FFA, you know, FFA was definitely, you know, dominated the, the um, you know, I, I, I was a pretty good football player, but I loved ag. Uh, Makes sense. You grew up in it. Well, I like FFA. I like competing. I, I, I like, um, I'm not going to do it, but I probably could still, um, you know, rehearse the creed. <laughs> Can you do that? You a little fresher than me. I could, but, I could probably do a good chunk of it, but yeah, I'd be a little so, rusty. Yeah. So, um, yeah, after uh, 40 years, I'd be really rusty. But anyway, so why'd I go to seminary? Well, I was going to school and I, I didn't really know. 
Like you were going, um, you started out trying to go to college or? Well, yeah, when I graduated, when my father was farming in Immokalee and, and my father-in-law was who I was working for up here. And, and uh, my mother always um, um, pushed me for, to make good grades, you know, to, to study. And um, education, something nobody can take away from. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't replace it. And it was just my, my, my mother really pushed for that. Of course, she was a, she is, you know, a person of great faith. So, you know, there was really never no discussion I was going to college. Right. And uh, so when I was going to college, you know, I thought about being a football coach because I liked football. Thought about being an ag teacher because I liked ag. All them thoughts. And I don't know. I I, 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 took, a, I took a class. Of um, course, you know, I read every Bible verse, you know, on – Bible drill, did it all, you know, in, in Sunday school. But I took a class on... Um, I just did Bible drills with uh, my vacation Bible school this past summer. And can you believe there's a lot of places that don't do Bible drills anymore? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's something, but... I, I've got to get better on my, my finding yeah. things faster. So so I did do that, but that wasn't why I went to seminary. I took a class while I was going to college uh, on, on the Hebrew people and... I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me. So, so then I took another, and then another, and then another, and then all of a sudden I got some letters, and uh, I said, "Okay, we'll do this." But I didn't necessarily do it because I was going to be a preacher. You know, kind of ended up. I've done a lot of speaking. You know, I, I, you know, I filled in a lot. I was supply preacher at three different little churches, and and of course we've done some some work overseas, but. Um, I just liked it, you know. I just liked the study of the people. I, I like the Bible story. Um, greatest story of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you just don't want to absolutely say, "Hey, I'm not going to believe in," you know, something after this. Okay, but have you ever seen one person make a bigger impact on civilization than Jesus Christ, just as a man? Just as a person, so you can't take that from him because he's impacted you know millions of people for millions of years. Now we're people of faith, so we know what he is. But nobody can ever say there's been a greater person. So you know, so that's that. Well, that was one of my, you know, when you know everybody deals with this um, woke movement or whatever movement you want to call it, non-belief in Jesus Christ. And they come to me, and I said, "Well, name somebody that's been name a more famous person. Name, name somebody that's done more. You know, name somebody that's changed the landscape of civilization more than a little man that was born in Bethlehem in a manger, know? yeah, yeah, in a cow trough, yeah. in a cave. <laughs> so, uh, and, and yeah, have I been there? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Does it change your life? Absolutely." That's why I told Marshall y'all had to go. But um, yeah, as soon as things get better over there, yeah, I wouldn't go down. next week. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, Jesus was born right where they're fighting. You know, so um, that's scary though to think that some of those like remaining pieces of Jesus's life and in the stories of the Bible, like that those things are at risk of being lost and like 
destroyed. It's it's heartbreaking. Really. Well, yeah, they're they're um absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the, the history of, you know, the oldest um you know, civilization really. I mean, I know they say Babylon or whatever, but you know, there is, you know, six thousand years of of buildings pieces of buildings, you know, um, you know, cities that's, that's in that. Um, and when you talk about Israel, Israel's not big. I mean, it's really not. And um, not when you think about, you know, it's, you know, not when you think about even Florida, you know, it's a, it's a small place. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but the other part of going there, you know, was the advancements that they had um with farming they're very cutting edge over there oh, aren't oh they? yeah yeah they did you know and i got a chance to to look at some of that stuff and and go through some of them greenhouses and i <laughs> is it mostly I, protected culture over there what's the what's the farm scene I, like? no the, i mean yeah there's a lot of greenhouses a lot of greenhouses a lot of a lot of hoop houses um, a lot of hoop farming that you know they plant the row and they cover it um but it's you know it's very arid, it's very desert. So it's the cradle of civilization, you know, or whatever you want to call. It. So the land is good, right? They they don't have no humidity like we have here, so they got a no pest and diseases. Yeah, and they you know they they got drip irrigation because they invented it. But they don't have fusarium. I, I don't think they got fusarium. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they got fusarium. I don't think they got powdery mildew or gummy still either. But um, but I'm sure they got their own um. You know, their are old issues as well. They don't have John Deere tractors either, by the way. They're, they're a little... So as water and technology, you know, advance that they are and, and their practice that they are, I, I you know, one thing, and maybe it's just the two farms that I went to, their equipment, you know, we got them. <laughs> you know, we got them. And, uh, but the tractors that we farm with... I'm not even sure you could get around over there because it's, you know, they're small farms. Yeah. You know, they're they're not big. They just make a lot of crop. And, um, you know, best dates in the world come from Israel, without a doubt. You know, huh. watermelons are absolutely fabulous. Really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All of the cantaloupes and melons and things that they they grow, man, it's, it's, it's good. Very good. Very good. Wow. Um. Now, they use, and I, it's been a minute, so, I, I'm, so I'm not going to quote exact, but they use most of their stuff. Like they're in their country. Yes. They, they use every, I was about to say. I they don't, don't use see, it all. They do do some exporting, I think, to Lebanon or something. I was going to say, I don't I see it exported here. Like, I don't see a Jerusalem mm-hmm. or Israel grown. They Israel do export grown. some dates, I know, because I, I, I know that. And um, You but, keep them in business. No, no. <laughs> California dates are good too. With, with but. all your uh, football training? <laughs> no, that's a long time ago, girl. I don't know if you were still practicing. No, that's a long time ago. Just um, I'm a huge college football fan. Okay. And, and um, I, I like college football. I, I like, um, I, of course, I'm a Gator because we're here, but. And we're going to get better because we can't get much worse. So <laughs> I like the optimism. But, but I was pulling for Florida State to be in the Final Four. I think that was kind of not too good a deal for them. But um, it is what it is, I guess. So, um, But, yeah, I'm a Gator. So, okay. So I'm support you a little bit. There. All right. All right. As long good. as you get me some tickets to see them play, um, 
they will play Alabama at Florida Field next year. That would be – I would like to be at that game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll see Courtney. Maybe Courtney yeah. can hook us up with him skybox. Get, the, get up there in the box yeah, there with you go. Uh, her and her dad. Yeah, that's right. That's all right. Courtney Davis, if you're listening, we need tickets. Yeah, absolutely guaranteed got to be. So, um, so with seminary, what – so after you went through seminary and everything – um, did you come back and farm or did you start going on mission trips? Like how did that all work? And then when did you meet Miss Melissa? So a lot, like, I, um, so that's kind of funny too. So like I told you that, that, um, when I, when I was in high school, my daddy would let me grow like 20 acres and, um, 15 acres, whatever. But I used daddy's equipment, you know, and, and they were, open land, one old raggedy traveler, you know, that you water once a week or whatever, you know. And, uh, but when I, when I got a I don't know, 11th grade or something, 12th grade, I actually started working with her dad. And, um, so I knew Melissa, I, I knew her. And, um, when, before the, let me step back. So in the 10th grade, we both went to Mayo, Lafette High. Okay. And uh, we rode the school bus together. And, um, but I mean, I'm five years older than her. So when I was in 10th grade, she was in fifth grade. So there you go, right? I mean, I knew her. She was Lamar's daughter. And, um, but my mother moved me in the, when I was a 10th grader. My dad was, like I said a while ago, was farming in Immokalee. And, um, and my brother had graduated high school and he, he was there too. And, um, my mother moved me to Branford, and um, so because it's five miles, you know, from our home, but yet it's in another county. So I had, you know, I went to the Mayo's thirty miles, twenty eight miles, but it's in our county. Right. It's the only school, right? One school, you know. So mother moved me to Branford, which is close. Even though it's another county, so I ended up graduating there. So my tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, you know, Melissa was going to Mayo riding the school bus, right? But my eleventh grade, I started working for her dad. So of course, Melissa had a job. Did I ever see her? I'm sure, I'm sure. But um, I was going to school, and and we were out for the end of the year or whatever, and and yeah, that's what it was. And Lamar said, "Hey." I got to run up here and pick up my girls from school. And you want to ride with me? We'll go to the store or something. You know, anytime, get out of getting off a tractor, go get a drink. Yeah, I'm in. So uh, I'm typical. Go get you a Mountain Dew <laughs> no, and, and a hostess cake. Yeah, so Lamar come up. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I jumped in the truck with Lamar. We went up to town and got got a Mountain Dew, like you said, I'm sure. And, and, um, of course, they had done got on the school bus, but everybody knows every school bus driver in this community. And Lamar pulled there to school bus, and my aunt RV drove that school bus. She stopped, and and Melissa got off the school bus, and I went, "Oh my!" Basically, and um, so I, I said, oh, "Oh, you know, man, that's a pretty girl," and you know. So I didn't say anything. I just, oh, you're with your boss. Well, her dad, her dad, <laughs> you know, I didn't say anything. And, uh, of course, she was 15 years old, too, you know, but she had went from a little youngin' to, a, wow, she was pretty. And um, 
So after we gathered that watermelon crop, I, um, my dad would give me a summer job and, and I would go to, um, well, I went to Blackville, South Carolina and I went to Clinton, North Carolina and I went to uh, Nuisance, Virginia for my dad. Okay. And that was that with watermelons? Yeah. I would buy watermelons or pack watermelons or whatever, you know? Okay. And, um, so I was gone like from, you know, the 4th of July to, you know, I had to go back to school, you know? So, uh, but anyway, I, I was, I was driving, um, home to, you know, in, you know, mid September, whatever it was. And, and, um, uh, I called my mother, mother's office and, um, who, who was a real estate broker, but mom was kind of a, you know, she's kind of control of everything anyway. Oh, she's a power woman. Oh, she's a power woman. Yeah. That's a good, good word. And Melissa answered the phone. And um, I, I said, um, I talked to her a minute. And, uh, and um, of course, I knew her. You know, she answered the phone in my mom's office. And that was before cell phones. You know, y'all got cell phones and texting and Twitter and Oh, yeah. I Facebook. Slid, I and, slid in Marshall's DMs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we didn't have all that. So, uh, anyway, she answered the phone mother's office. She'd got her a summer job working for my mother, helping her do some stuff at the office, you know. And then after she had to go back to school, she just kept an afternoon job. So, anyway, she answered the phone, and I said, hey, I'm coming home. You want to go to the movies this weekend? And she said, well, I don't know. I've never been on a date. I don't think my mama let me. I ain't the 15, you know, or whatever. And and uh, I said, okay, well, ask her. Well, about 1.2 seconds later, she called me back. So <laughs> And said yes? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that was pretty well it. And the rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. So yeah, 30, uh, 33 years, and um, she graduated high school. I asked her at Christmas to marry me, and, and of course, I was 24 years old, and she was 18, you know, so, or I was 23, and she was 18. So. Wow. So uh, I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure she thought that was what she wanted to do, but she did it. I tricked her anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah, pretty well it. Okay. Pretty well it. I've yeah. always wondered that story. That's, so, that's so, cool. So we had got married, and, um, and, and along in then is when I went to seminary. Okay. Um, did you have to write a paper in seminary? Oh, bunches and bunches and bunches. Was there like a capstone paper? Like what was your, what was your crowning jewel in seminary? Oh, so the, the last book, uh, I mean, um, the the last book that I, I, you know, read and, and, and what was, um, my brother, one of his farmers was a man named Phil Senderfer, and he was a farmer in South Carolina. Okay. And um, my brother had invited me, or uh, told me, he didn't invite me to do nothing, he just tells me, and um, to go deer hunting with him in in, in South Carolina. So we, um, but by then we were, you know, we were having cell phones coming along because I remember. Was it like the bag phone? You know, then, because I remember this, so well that that I would I would text Melissa and um, on a flip phone <laughs> probably probably the modern and, uh, day jitterbug I'm not sure it went Nextel or something you know remember old beep beeps or something yeah, I'm not sure maybe so. it was okay. uh, yeah maybe 
And uh, I can't remember exactly, but but between that transition, cell phones come about. But anyway, my last memory of, of all them classes was Melissa took my last test and submitted it for me. <laughs> and I was dear up. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had to have it in, but I had to go deer hunt with my brother. <laughs> so, she, she, I guess we're not supposed to tell that, are we? <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> the Lord is watching. <laughs> yeah, the, it's all right. He used us anyway. So uh, <laughs> that's right. I'd already done another fifty tests before that one, so I, I think we slid by that one a little bit. So, uh, so how? So after going to seminary and then you got into farming, how have you used that experience in your in your life now? I know you've went on mission trips and served other places and helped other countries learn to farm, which that could be a whole episode in and of itself. That's fascinating to me. But how have you used what you've learned there, what you've learned from the Bible and from your faith? How have you applied that into your life as a farmer, as a dad, as a husband? Um, yeah, I, I think I think one thing. Um, when you were asking me that, I think about you never hire somebody or you ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. So, you know, whether um, whatever status that employee happens to be, whatever, um, you know, level of education that employee happens to have, we're, we're all a team. So, and, and that's one thing at Land Ag, you know, we really push is, look, you, you, you may have to shovel berries today. And then tomorrow I'll run a half million dollar tractor. So, and you got to be willing to do any of it. If you're not, this is probably not the place for you. So, I don't, I don't know um, if seminary taught me that. Um, I remember uh, it comes to my mind. I just, I remember while I was leading a, a service one time, prayer service, a healing prayer service. You know, people come up ask for prayer, right? And I remember I, I, I prayed with, and the group wasn't just me, but I was the, you know, man on the mic. But that they was, of course, coming for cancer and they were dying. Another man I remember specifically because he did pass was um, he was having heart operation. And then a then a um, man come up there and he was just as emotional, and he wanted me to pray that he found you know or wanted the group to pray that he was able to find his dog. And I remember in that moment, in my mind, I was like, man, this man's fighting for his life. And this 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 man comes up here and um, worrying about his dog. And, and to me, as, at that moment, at that moment, I'm like, well, we did it. And I hope you find your dog. But but it it kind of, I don't, I don't want to use the word bothered me, but it was a, maybe it was a learning exercise that God put before me. So uh, I asked a really good friend of mine, um, Eddie Blaylock, which is a you know a great man of God. I said, hey, this happened to me, and it bothered me. And he said, well, you got to remember that dog to that man at that point in his life was just as important to him as that man fighting for his life. Wow. And I was like, made a lot of sense you know so <clears throat> if you only pray for you find your dog i'll pray for you find your dog but but it did it did you know man lost he was deer hunting he lost his hound dog you know and and he couldn't find him and so it kind of bothered me but 
but it, it taught me that we've got to be able to even this person may have this mountain of a problem and they come to you and say, hey, you know, my wife's left me, my children's on drugs. Uh, you know, my, my daughter's with a um, undesirable guy, you know, real serious issues. And then another man comes to you and he, he didn't make his car payment. You know, so you, you look at the, the, the area in between well, look how bad this, you know, this is really tough. He's dealing with his family, and this man just was not a good steward of his money. Right. But but we have to look at it all equal because it's important to that person at that point in their life. So, Well, we're all capable of holding different things, right? Some of us are live oaks and some of us are pine trees. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. Some of us are, you know, by, by the edge of the... Um, um, river and the river's flowing fast and they're losing roots every minute, you know, and some of us are planted on the hills and some of us, um, I, I really, you know, because of the faith of my grandmother and the dedication of my parents, you know, we, we have a lot of determination in, in, in us at, with our, you know, with our life and, <laughs> Failure is is you know some things are worth fighting for, and um, and then some things you need to let go. So you, you got to be able to, as a person, um, you know, make that distinction. You asked me what seminary seminary taught me to study. Yeah, yeah, I learned a lot of things, but um, as far as life lessons, seminary taught me. I, I was a pretty smart kid. In high school. I believe it. So I, I didn't have to do a lot of studying. You didn't really have to apply yourself. It kind of No, kind of come me. And the teachers all like me anyway. So, yeah. and even Miss Mary Daniels, I still farm on her land today and she was my principal. I mean, I'm not saying I never studied, but high school was fairly easy. Yeah. And um, e e even most of the college classes that I took, I might study a little bit if it was a hard class, but come pretty easy at seminary. You didn't know it. You, you flat didn't know it. I mean, I don't care how how many times you read the book of Genesis. You know, 2,000 years happens in four chapters. You don't know it. So you, you have no choice but to study it, to learn it. Well, and it's the living word, right? So yeah. how one person may interpret one thing, somebody else may interpret another, and then there's a whole apologetics piece, right, of like defending what you know and also taking apart like how you read the word versus how somebody else may read the word. And it also can depend on where you're at in life and what you're going through. And did that like, so that, so too? yeah, I, I mean, I don't know about today cause that's been, like I said, 25 years ago, but I, I think it would be kind of close, maybe more, you know, there are a hundred different denominations of people that claim they're Christians. So that they interpret part or, or um, they, they interpret, you know, enough of the same scriptures that that um, make them have a different belief or a different mythology. Right. You know, that, that's where meth. You know, Methodists. Why they're called Methodists? Because they're they're a method of how they believe or where they draw the line in the sand. Line in the sand. Yeah, exactly. You know, Southern Baptist. What's the difference in Southern Baptist and Northern Baptist? Well. We don't want to go there with this podcast. 
Huh? Fried chicken? Slavery. Okay. Huh? But, but so there was I no different. Chicken was maybe a more friendly route to go. <laughs> no, but, but the whole issue of slavery, you know. I so did, I didn't know that. I've always wondered that. So yeah. I just learned something new. Yeah, slavery. Southern Baptists, of course, you know the people that was in charge of the Southern Baptist churches. They believed slavery was okay. The regular Baptist um, didn't. Now that's not true today. Right. Even right. the Baptist faith and message has been changed. Right. But. But that was the original division. That's not biblical whatsoever. But a lot of the different denominations are divided um, on a couple of verses. And, uh, you know, we don't have time to do all that, but we could at some time. <laughs> no, this is fascinating. And I, I, like I said, I'm learning some things. So, But, but I, I liked history of the Hebrew people. Okay, so that's spent, what got you into it. That's what Yeah, you. and I studied that. I mean, I spent, you know... 80% in any class, you know, you can take, you can take um, modern theology or, or you can take history of, you know, David's second cousin. You know, that's what right. I would take. So, um, um, so anyway, um, I, I don't know. It, it, was, uh, it was something I liked. It was something that was interesting in me. And to me, um, did it, did it, did it ultimately that wasn't what I do for a living? Could I probably? Um, but it taught me to study, and, and and so that helps me today. Um, you say, well, how does a, you know that degree help you today? Well, it teaches me. Now you better do some research when you come to Fusera and Wilt. You know, so it makes you your whole family's really good at staying up to date on the issues and learning about the new products on the market and, and doing your research before you put something on your farm or testing it on your farm before you, you know, really go all out there. Um, I would just commend the land family in general for that. Like well, you guys are all really good at that. Um, and I think that's why y'all are so successful. Well, I, I, so that probably that mindset goes back to my dad once again, because you know, he, he tells a story of, a, of the biggest farmer in Hatch Bend when he was a boy. And, and I don't want to mention no names, but the biggest farmer here, they were extremely successful, at, you know, in the 50s, you know, 40s and 50s and even into the 60s. I even remember them as a child. And, and they were, you know, of course, they were on their way down. But my father always said they were not willing to change. They were not willing to evolve. That's the way they'd done it. So I, I think really with, with our product in this fast pace, I mean, who knew Enza? I mean, I, I know Marshall's Simonis, but who ever heard of Enza? Hey, this is a whole, this yeah, I, your I, melons I, all separate, I, so you talk about whatever well, you want. Well, I mean, so my point is, who knew Enza five years ago? Nobody, really. Nobody. And, and now look, all of a sudden. They're the new kids on the block. They're the new kids on the block with the biggest watermelon on the, in the industry, you know, Cracker Jack, which is the number one sold, you know, seed in the industry now in the country and um and I so you can contact us for a sponsorship if you want yeah they can and i'm not <laughs> saying it's good or bad i'm saying swipe up I, i'm not endorsing it or not endorsing it it's just and i didn't know that until two days ago and 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 i seen the information on that and i said holy man that watermelon come from um you know from nowhere yeah and, and, you know who'd ever heard of a cracker jack four years ago so my point is everything evolves 
Now, will it be next year? No, because Marshall's going to come with a dark horse and, <laughs> and, and take the industry <laughs> by storm. But um, I, 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 um, I do think that the next um, the next generation of, of watermelon will keep the flavor, will keep the cutability that, that the customer demands. Um, so many of our watermelons are going in bowls or cups or, you know, yeah. single served. Because um, nobody wants to cut a watermelon on their counter anymore and get no. the juice everywhere and well, clean up the mess. Well, so many people here, in, you know, in our, our part of the world anyway, you know, our, our, our families are getting smaller. So we're getting our watermelon smaller too, but they go in there and they grab them a cup full of watermelon and, and that's maybe what they have for lunch. So, so um, they, they, the customer is demanding certain things, you know. So I, I think once the watermelon comes with the cutability and the flavor and, and then comes with a disease package is the next big thing. Right. And it will. Yeah, it will. Absolutely. There's it, too many people working on it. Well, and we've got to... We've got to keep up with what the the consumer, which is our customer, sure. what they want. Yeah, and and you got to also help the grower to to compete, and, you know, and to, and not just compete against um, other watermelon farmers, but to compete against you know the environment. And because uh, once you get fusarian, and I know we've mentioned that four times because that is the number one issue up here. We're going to have to mark this explicit for using the F word. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but you lose the land. Right. And, and so you, not only do you lose that crop, you lose that land. And so you keep losing that land and, you know, you can't go back. And we need to rotate. So, but yeah, that, that's, that's, um, I, I, I think that I mean, our our you know our product is strong. Um, I, I I think demand is, if anything, is increasing. You know, I mean, you see it. I mean, I, I was in I, I was in Sam's three or four times in the last um, through the holidays, you know, or whatever. And um, man, they had some beautiful watermelons in there. And um, I mean, I know who they were, but I'm not going to advertise for. But they were melon ones, by the way. And uh, but but they were beautiful, without a doubt. They were, you know, beautiful, beautiful watermelons. And and um, and every grocery cart had one. And as a farmer, that had to feel good to at least see. Well, like, so how many times you've been in a grocery store and the watermelons were ugly? A lot. A lot, right? So they don't especially you like. Uh, a couple want, months before uh, now, like yeah, they wasn't they wasn't pretty that yeah. they wasn't attractive and and then um, but they had um, I, I'm not you know I know I watermelon in there and and um, and they were absolutely beautiful and I mean I bought one and I mean we cut it and it cut great and it eat great and so you know, <laughs> you know somebody that buys that will go buy another one. Yeah, because they had a good experience. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and but what sold it the first time was appearance. You know, they say, "Oh, the prettiest thing in here is these watermelons." So, anyway, that's that's my opinion. There you go. I don't know what that's worth, but that's my opinion. I like it. Well, we're um, we're we're getting close on time. We're actually a little over, but I want to know what your faith means to you. Oh, 
so you know um you said a word about education so you said what you learn nobody can take right you know what we um there's there's we we can make millions of dollars but we can that can be taken absolutely well we we can we can build big houses that can be taken we can buy a lot of land that can be taken you know we we can um we can even be married you know to a lifelong partner and that can be lost or taken um we we can um have children and perhaps their love can never be taken but that they um that you can lose i have friends that that's lost children you know so we can lose lose that um so the class behind me um not my senior class but the 11th grade class behind me the cheerleading group there were nine of them girls nine of them and of course i was friends with all of them because they were 10th graders and 9th graders when i was a senior but that group of girls there were nine of them and um we've lost four of them really in a little small community like we live four of the nine girls are not with us anymore and um and it's on my mind because um one one of the girls just died this week so you know so we we lose people we care about we could lose that right we we will lose our grandparents it'll happen for for i've been blessed because my parents have had long lives but ultimately you know mostly we lose our parents eventually so we, we lose we 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 have um suffering because of our loss we we have pain because we have arthritis or the things that afflict our flesh or or um things that hurt our hearts you know our, our souls we have pain and we have suffering so the faith is something that absolutely cannot be taken from us it's eternal faith is it, it is acquired you're, you're not all of a sudden you know the bible says the grain of mustard seed has more faith but faith is is growing Faith is you will you can never have, you know, the, if you're filling up a cup or a five gallon bucket of faith. I know that's a simple elementary um, thought, but we like simple. <laughs> uh, you know, you can't never um, get that five gallon bucket of faith full. So, so faith um, is whatever you want to, you know, however deep. You, you, there's no level of depth in the love of Jesus Christ that you will reach the planet, you know, the plane of it or, or the limit of it. There's no limit. Uh, it's limitless. So the love that Jesus, the blessings that Jesus shed up on our life and the faith, well, we can't lose it. So you can get however much faith acquire maybe is a better word that that a person wants or desires and um and it can never be taken from us can can it 
can we get weak in faith? Can we can we have times in our life where we're weak? Absolutely. Well, you will. You you will. Will there be times in our life that you know we feel like God is um, not answering our prayers? Man, God, why won't God answer prayers? That that that's not a true statement. You know, there are all kind of statements it's made, and they say, "Well, God don't answer my prayers." Uh, sometimes God God never lets a prayer. And I've said this a lot of times. He's just too. answering it in a different way. It may not be the way you want, but he's answering it. All prayers get answered. All of them. And, and he hears all prayers. may not be the prayer, the answer we want, you know, but he answers that prayer. Fact, he never leaves us. So if it's a if it's an answer we really don't like, that don't mean he's not there to help us stand back up. You know, um, so, so that, you know, that to me is really more the love of Jesus and, and the desire for um, Him is probably the main reason I went to seminary. Uh, I wanted the, um, I didn't need a job. You know, my daddy provided that. Right. And, uh, you know, did it ever cross my mind? Yeah, sure. But everything crosses your mind. But but really and truly, you know, I, I wanted a relationship that that was, um, you know, unquestionable or unwaverable. And, and I knew that was the way I could, you know, I was interested in that. Yeah. You know, I, I was interested in, you know, Peter, you know, or Paul, how people could be that devoted that it absolutely cost them their lives. What level of faith did them men have? You know, now if you <laughs> can you imagine walking into a and, and I don't want to throw off on church, but today, but could you imagine walking in church now and with machine guns and say, hey, if if you'll leave right now, we you we won't, you know. Shoot you, but if you don't, we're gonna shoot you. I mean, you think about how many people would tear the door off the back, trying to get out of there. Yeah, if that's your option. Right. Well, with them men, they were like, "We choose death and hang me upside down because I ain't worthy to be hung the same way Christ was." That's just great faith, you know. And, and I think as my my parents, um, I was blessed because I was raised with. Both my parents, and, and both my parents loved the Lord. Both my parents taught me prayer, taught me Sunday school, you know, sent me to Sunday school. Um, and so we, we, me and Melissa, done that with our children. And I, I hope that they pass that on to their children. And, um, but what I see in today's world with, you know, my children's friends is, and I don't see it, you know, perhaps um, perhaps we're failing, you know, um, my generation as a whole is failing as far as parents, you know. Um, and perhaps your your generation is stepping a, one step further away too. And um, I, I mean, maybe that's just me, but no, I think I think there's something to that. and I've seen I've seen posts on social media about it and things like that where, you know, parents, that make church 
an option or it's like kind of like, you know, oh, if we can make it great, like if they start showing that their kids are going to pick up on that. And then those kids they're that next generation is going to um, get further and further away from it. Yeah. And then eventually you get to a whole generation that knows nothing about the Lord or has ever stepped foot in a church or knows anything about um, their like having faith or anything like that. Well, yeah. So, you know, without pain and suffering, we wouldn't need a savior. So if we didn't, you know, so we're people, you know, humanity suffers as general yep. suffer. We're going to suffer. So, you know, if everything was, you know, um, honeysuckle and rose blossom, blossom, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever term you'd like to make, um, we wasn't needy. But what's reality is, you know, we, we basically got a 70 to 80 year test. And, and during that 70 or 80 year test, some of us live to be 100, but a lot don't. So if we don't pass that test somewhere along the line, if we don't choose him, this is it, you know, and and so perhaps we can blame whatever blame we want to do, but you know, I, I think as Christians, um, we we deal in a society that I, I don't know what statistics is today, but it, it, I'm going to say you know, thirty percent go to church and you know, seventy don't today or something. Well, a lot of them people that you'll come in contact with they'll be going through a struggle or whatever. And we, we as Christians should take the, the time to, Hey man, can talk to me, you know? And, and, and I do that. I do. I'm not patting myself on the back, but. Oh, that's what we're called uh, to do as Christians. Yeah. I mean, you, Hey, you all right, man? You all right? Yeah. You okay? And um, so, so I think as a general, you know, that this is the, like in, I'm 55, so in my lifetime, this is the biggest time post-COVID, post, you know, I, I feel like or I know that the church was stronger before COVID than it is today. A lot of people quit going during COVID because they didn't want to be sick and they just never went back. So, you know, our, our numbers, you know, church numbers are down or attendance is down or whatever. And so there's a bigger calling upon Christians, hey, we need to take the time to to share you know, hey, Jesus is still there, man. And um, so that's, I, I don't know. I just, you know, and I, I encourage my friends to do the same thing. Just, hey, man, identify, you know, people suffering, people struggling. I mean, we were all, you know, we were all touched by by the, you know, by COVID. I mean, we all can at least know one person and or maybe some of us know 20, you know, and, you know, our world's different than it was. In closing, just to wrap things up, for all the farmers, ranchers, for, for everyone listening, um, you know, mainly our farmers and ranchers, your fellow farmers and ranchers that are in Florida, the U.S., wherever, what is something that you would like to share with them? What is something that you would like them to know? So, never give up. Um. You know, nothing's ever nothing's ever bad enough. E even though that that moment um, in in your life is is bad, you know, be a fighter. You know, be be a survivor. Um, just 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 keep you know just keep going. Keep keep trying. You know, 
Um, I, w I will say that um, this year, uh, you know, it's Christmas. Christmas can be so much fun and so much happiness, and, and but it can also be to other people sad. So we we just need to, you know, if you know somebody or you see somebody or, you know, we pick kids that we give gifts to. Um, we pick families that Santa Claus drops things off. They don't even know where they come from. Um, you know, and I'm just would encourage, you know, hey, you know, everybody listen to this. Look around. Find you one family or, or one child and um, make Santa Claus real. I like that. Well, and kind of going back to what you were wanting to share with other farmers, I think about you talking about Peyton. Yeah. Looking under the tree. Where is my presence? And you're like, oh, don't you worry. We got you covered. I think that's how God is a lot of times, right? When we feel like things aren't going right in our lives, when we feel like business isn't right, when circumstances aren't right, but God's looking down and he's like, just you wait. Yeah. You are not going to believe the things that I have in store for you if you just hang on. So for those who are lonely during this Christmas season, think about that. Just you wait. You do not know the great things that the Lord is going to have in store for you. Things are going to stack up. Things are going to look a lot better next farming season. Or, you know, a couple seasons from now, you just have to hang on for the ride and, and keep that faith and trust in the Lord because He is good and He is merciful and all things are for his good and for his glory. Well, I guess we're both crying. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, when, I, when you think about like, when I think about mine and Marshall's story and when I think about my life and how I've gotten to where I am today, like I can see those things. I have, I have experienced firsthand the goodness of God. And so if I can share that story with someone else, I'm going to. Good job. Yep. And, and that's what I would tell you. That, that's what I would encourage people to do. You know, I, I've seen God. I, I've seen things that that most people can't even um, think about what I've saw. But nor do I really want to share them on this podcast. But, you know, my faith, my belief is unwaveringly because of what I've seen, what I've went through, what I've accomplished, what I've... And I'm not saying accomplished financially or you know, farming or just accomplished as a human being, things that God has allowed my life to touch. And, um, you know, and, and that's what I've said, that you can't fill the bucket up. Um, I, I just want to um, encourage everybody with Christmas to make a difference in somebody's life, you know, invest in somebody, make it make a, make a difference um, in some child, you know. You you bless a child that you know that that's a different um, a different level of happiness that you you can achieve and you can do that you know and it's pretty simple. Check in on your friends, look out for people in your community, and if you can give a little love, if you can give a little Christmas cheer, and just love on someone. That's what you need to do. And don't forget to mind your melon. <laughs>